Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Bounced on its point, wow. The fates, the gods are with the gods. They're two men down. Are you going to do this? <laughs> Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. Oh my goodness, it's grand final week. Get your ticker tape, start cutting up your um, phone books into little teeny tiny squares of paper. Oh no, it's all online. I'm Emma Race. Lucy Race. Nicole Hayes. Alicia Pumped sometimes. And we've got two apologies. Felicity Race is out with general awareness of awareness. <laughs> and Kate Sear is down at the courthouse. Um, I think she's desperate to be put on Katie Brennan's um, legal team. <laughs> she should. She was law talking on Twitter last night. Big We're going to get to it. It's full of drama. Could there be more drama in a grand final week than this? I thought that changing the time... On the grand final was drama, seeing people's, you know, tickets, stubs for their flights that they've booked, all that kind of stuff. I thought that was drama. Mm. Mm. There's been a lot, hasn't there? Mm. But uh, do we want to start with that, do we? Well, no, let's go into reflections (laughs) of the round. You still look like a happy lion, Nicole. Is this is it, no? This is my normal face. This is my resting face. No, it was awesome. <laughs> so Your resting Sabrina face. Yeah, it's my resting. She's resting my happy friend lion now. face. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, what a crazy way to come into it, though. So that all that excitement from Friday, but then having to hold your breath basically for forty eight hours until the outcome to see what happened between the crows and magpies on Sunday. It was amazing. So the round kicked off. It did, and you know what just kept going through my head. We have a little clip that we play from Kelly Underwood at the start of our radio show where she says, groundbreakers, yeah. history, history makers. makers. And I kept hearing a third thing attached to that, which was heartbreakers. Aww. And I think what really struck me after this round was that for every lion jumping for joy, mm. there were giants sitting on the ground and they were you know, ruining missed opportunities and... Mm the fact that they kind of failed to fire. For every bulldog who was celebrating with tears and relief, there were demons with hurt and disappointment in their eyes. We had Collingwood who finished the game and then the season on a high, like their their season trajectory was positive, but next to them were the faces of Crows who had done everything they could to try and make it, but they just couldn't quite get there, especially with Chelsea sitting on the bench in the second half. Mm. And then... Meanwhile, I don't think anyone told Carlton and Fremantle that they were playing a dead rubber because they played such a close and physical encounter that was exciting and high scoring, but then also sadly yielded some injuries and a wooden spoon. Mm. And a retirement and now a coach who's not there anymore, so for Carlton. Really full on emotional The yin and yang of football. Mm. Yeah. You must have been thrilled with your pies, Alicia. I was. Look, I thought they were quite incredible, but it was balanced, you know, having sat next to Bette Goddard that uh, I felt the weight of uh, the Adelaide Crows and we certainly spoke to her and felt that this would have been such a major major crush and so blo- 
such a blow for them. But I was just, I'm in love with these pies and it's such a strange feeling as a hawker <laughs> to be in love with these women and these pies. And I just think that their year was just getting better and better and it's that what if, isn't it? A couple more games and then maybe they would have been real contenders. And it's so interesting to see that everything sort of had to go right for Brisbane to get in. Mm. And so it's such a sort of a fairy tale for them after mm-hmm. this such a strong season last year. That's- Did you get the feeling, when we spoke to Sabrina um, we spoke to her on Saturday for our, Sabs. our, our <laughs> sizzle for our radio show on our last ever episode of our radio show on Saturday. And Sabrina sounded, she didn't sound like she was preparing for a final. She, do you no. know what I mean? They didn't yeah. sound like they were celebrating and they didn't sound like they were done. Mm. But they were in that weird purgatory between Holding Mad Monday and the grand mm. final, which yeah. is a very big scope, right? That's there, a wide that open is, road. Absolutely. I, and, I, and I think managing those emotions is really, you know, to keep your head in the game but also be prepared for disappointment. What, what a job. And, and um, obviously Craig Stasevich did a great job of, of helping the girls through that. Um, I don't know how many of them have been through that sort of experience before where it's literally – out of their hands and it's just mm-hmm. how the cards fall, um, you know, uh, two days later. But um, that vision of the players getting the news, I don't know if you've seen oh, that. I yeah, encourage everyone cool. to get out there and have a look at the vision of the Brisbane players the <laughs> second that siren goes. I, it's just joyous. I think it's very, very lucky that you don't kick balls with your vocal cords <laughs> because there are going to be some sore throats after that. Oh, yeah, they were squealing. Don't you think that you go into grand final week and there's often an amazing story? And I know that Katie Brennan and what's happened there is going to be a huge story because it's an ongoing story at the moment. But um, if you were to think about Brisbane on their own, this is an amazing story of retribution for them. They felt still salty from last year's mm. grand final mm. that they lost Taylor Harris. I mean, remember what happened the year that Hawthorne lost Buddy? Guess what yep. happened the year after that? Mm. Back to back. Hello, Silverware. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I just think we know they, and this is the one, this is the one thing that didn't break my heart. I love GWS, mm. but it was a compelling win by yeah. the Lions. Oh, and 40 so, points. So you can't really argue with that, can you? No. Absolutely. And, you know, Sabrina, we talk about, you know, these champions and, and sometimes I think our expectations on them are so high and we don't always, you know, really celebrate them. But Sabrina had 18 disposals and kicked four goals yeah. and she was just monumental. And then ably assisted by people like Ali Anderson, who just she took twenty cut twenty five. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? And also, the, I think what was really telling, especially in that interview that we had with her with Sabs, was she's obviously been. Um, you know, playing the the team game. And so there's all this pressure on her to be this superstar. Mm. She wasn't being put in places where she could do that. She, her job, she had a different job and she had to just knuckle down and just do that with all that um, criticism in the press because she wasn't um, stepping up in the way that uh, Marky, I guess, was perceived to be expected to. Um, and she just head down and just did her job. She's a and then finally, she, and then was able to just go she free. She pulled the ball from Incredible. the air. Yeah. She was always in the right spot. And that's the thing, you, it's got to go the right way. Mm. And you saw it for GWS go the wrong way. Yeah. And it's always heartbreaking. Um, but I was just going to say that uh, it was eight teams that played really well on the weekend and that was the most exciting thing like you say Lucy eight teams gave them the mo- their all but I wanted to ask you Emma Carlton I'm really worried about my Carlton Aww. girls I have to say I um oh, I don't know how to talk about it without I don't want to sound like it's a dire situation I think that we need to stick fat mm. and I think that there are some great players there 
I, I, I'm really concerned that it's been the whole process, the whole year has been mismanaged. just read that Brianna Davy has asked for mm, it to be traded. And that is, I mean, so yesterday Damien Keeping um, reached a decision with the club that he would step away. Um, we know that they lost their list manager. Um, it's incredibly concerning signs mm. and... I don't know how easy. I guess, you know, you're on the eve. It's not a rebuild, but you're on the eve of new situations being available with those two new clubs coming in. Um, but the fact that Bree is jumping off now, yeah. I look down the barrel of their BNF, which is mm. going to be a really rough night, I would imagine. Mm. Um, and I just don't know how, I don't know how you how you kind of gather the troops mm. back in when all these people will now scatter and there'll be so much, so much uncertainty. We know that um, a lot of coaches weren't appointed until a couple of weeks before yeah, the season. Um, we've got a long wait until the draft. Um, we've got a long wait until um, we see how the other teams fall and, and who they're going to pick from other clubs. And and I so I'm really worried about morale um, mm. at Carlton. And because I'm a new Carlton member, I don't have a great understanding of the ethos and the culture of their club. I may have spent most of my life mocking them because I'm <laughs> yes, traditionally Hawthorne. Yeah. So now I have a concern and an eye on it where I think we really need some strong leadership in there and... I don't know where that will come from because I don't really know my way around the club. It does feel weird though because when we've been down there, they really seemed to uh, create an embracing and um, inclusive environment. It felt like they were taking it really seriously, the AFLW, where some other clubs were still kind of finding their way. They seemed to be driving it. They were very aggressive in their recruiting. It's it's really kind of... it's very disappointing. What is it, though, about the first two games being so strong? They're on top of the ladder. Everyone was praising them. But somehow it was talk and it was this feeling that they weren't the mm. powerhouse that the ladder showed, that we all kind of knew. And we said it, and you said it, uh, Emma, you know, the first couple of weeks is why are they on top of the ladder and no one is um, giving them the kudos? Yeah. And then this. Well, it's weird because it was the way that the fixture fell, I think, because, yeah. you know, they were – I think the receivers of the memo. Yep. I think the memo was for them. Absolutely. But where I feel the pain is that, you know, and we'll talk about this, we fall in love with the players. You know, like yeah. we can say that we barrack for a team and I guess if I had to say it, I fall in love with 22 players and a couple of coaches. Mm. They don't all play for the same team. Mm, like I've yeah. fallen in love with the players and with mm. their stories. And so when I think about people like the Hosking sisters who we got to know or Darcy Vessio, who obviously we've loved for such a long time, listening to her on this AFL life and, and watching her play for Darabin and, you know, and Lozanel and, yeah. um, you know, Shay Audley and um, I even love watching Maddie Kerrick this year and, you know, all those people I worry about them I really worry about how those girls are going to come back and the they seemed really cohesive at the start of the year when before they'd played a game and so I thought the signs were good and you know even I was listening to a podcast that was an old podcast and someone said I know I picked Carlton as my pick to Mm. win the flag like all the signs were good they've got Taylor Harris you know that so my concern is that it's out of the control of the girls' hands and what we, the players' hands, and what we heard during the week is, you know, that the players who were going into games were saying, at least it's in our control. Like we know that yeah. for Brisbane it was trying for them because it wasn't in their control and I think Melbourne are feeling it because it was in their control and it didn't, they couldn't no, pull it off and I think that's why they're so heartbroken. So my concern for the rebuild for Carlton is it needs to come from external places, from personnel that are not there right now and that may not actually be appointed for 
quite a while. And that's a lot of uncertainty, isn't it? It is. For the ones who are. And I think that's the hardest thing with all of this is is uncertainty. Mm. And that, you know, if you're going to have one word that described, you know. Season the two. CCC, season two. Sorry, I just did a bit of a. CCC. CCC season two. <laughs> um, it's uncertainty. Mm. Talk to us about how you're feeling about Melbourne. Are you okay to talk about that yet? Um, I am. It. I was devastated. And I think, you know, I'd echo what you said, Em, that it's a really interesting thing to have loved another football club my whole entire life and then to be so devastated when I watch another club lose. And it got me thinking, thank you, Fiona Newton, um, for asking the question, um, how is it that you can support two teams? How can you love two? And is there this new type of football polygamy? And I think the answer is yes, there is. And I'm not going to lie, there may have been a moment on Saturday night when Emma, Race and I, we found ourselves in the toilets of a fast food joint in Footscray and we cried because it's devastating and I think it's only football but I think when you have watched a team and you really just fall in love with these players and you know their stories and you've seen how much they put into um, getting themselves prepared and how seriously they take their roles as elite athletes and you know we've had little glimpses of being able to talk to them and read stories and um, you just you you fall a bit in love and so I stood there with my heart breaking Um, my heartbreaking for players like Sarah Lampard who had been Mm. injured Mm. and had just come back and has now sadly done an ACL as well and Mm. um, you know for Daisy who I just really wanted you know I wanted the fairy tale I wanted to see her and at the same time being incredibly joyful and happy for those Bulldogs girls because Mm. I love them too and so I think the funny thing about AFLW is that it's maybe it's like when you you know you have one puppy and you get another puppy and you think I'm not going to love that other puppy as much as I love that <laughs> first puppy but you do because yeah. your heart just grows yeah. and so yes I believe in football polygamy and I think you can love way more than one team except I don't think I can apply it to the AFLM and I think it's just something that I've been yeah. but I, I I've had that too long that's DNA we, yeah, yeah I, I do but think also, so I don't know that we have the same connections no, no. it's a different I, I, and this is the thing that I again it, it as you say when I look at the AFLM it's football I mean it means enormous things to us obviously because this is what we've spent our life talking about even before we had microphones so it means a lot but the AFLW Never was just about football for me. For any of us, I think. AFLW, if you're not crying, you're not doing it right. (laughs) But it is a different culture, isn't it? Because like you say about DNA, you kind of make your mind up quite young. And what I never understood being in complete love with Hawthorne is that when someone would say, I barrack for, you know, West Coast because of Nick Natanui or I barrack for um, a a club because of a player. I remember Mm. uh, Peter Knights coming to my primary school and just going, oh, my God, he's a god. And then other people saying, well, no, he, he, he he goes for the wrong team. And then some people changing teams to barrack for Hawthorne because he came to the school. And I never understood that. But I think I'm getting it now that you fall in love with the players and you're just following them around. But it's really against our grain, isn't it? It It's really against the grain. But I mean, I think when we had Beck on too, like I actually watched that Sunday game and and I was really torn Mm. because I, you know, Brisbane's my team Mm. for the AFLW, but I wanted Beck to win. Mm. And, you know, this relationship that you've 
uh, develop all that. And those players, I wanted Sarah Perkins to get another shot at a grand final. I wanted Aaron Phillips and on and on. And the whole time my husband's watching me saying, who are you barracking for here? Can I barrack for everyone? Can we talk about Chelsea Randall just for a moment, just on Adelaide? That Can you talk about what you saw from the sidelines on Sunday when we were sitting there and Chelsea Randall was on the – she had got a concussion and she was sitting on the sidelines. But she she wanted to go back on and um, was, was you know, held back. So she jumped up she out jumped of her seat to, yeah. to run out and she had to be restrained. Yeah. Like – that is, yeah. That's Chelsea Randall, and right then there. she she spent her time just making sure that other people were okay on the bench too. Because yeah. I think, you know, as you said, Alicia, you could see the game slipping away. But I'd like to talk about that Bulldogs Melbourne game and yep. just what an amazing contest it was. And it was really really difficult conditions because it was so ridiculously windy that <sighs> there was one end that clearly was the the scoring end. Melbourne managed to score twice up the other end. Um, I just thought. That was such an incredible contest. I thought the Bulldogs did a really great job defensively that they just didn't let Melbourne get any space. And Emma Carney, um, I think we've already seen she and Chelsea Randall have won the AFLW Coaches Award for player co- you know, Players of the Year and very deserving. She was phenomenal mm-hmm. that night, mm-hmm. but then so was Karen Paxman, the Paxi, O'Day, Daisy Pierce um, trio were extraordinary. I think one of the big differences, I know we talked about a bit of a preview on the radio show, was, you know, with the forward lines, where were they going to fire? Um, Tegan Cunningham was kept to no disposals. Mm. And mm. I think that was a, a really key, key yeah. um, decider in that game. But yeah. boy, that was exciting. And for Brooke Lachlan to. Get the seal, you know, yeah. to get the winning goal, and then to also win the goal kicking then for the year. Off, you know, I think was yes. Pretty and amazing. I need to issue an apology for my crazy. Yeah. What were you thinking? Like, oh, no, Did I, I just agree? thought I'll put it out there. I just, I think I said, you know, after she'd kicked seven, I'm going to predict she'll never kick another one again. I have been made to eat my humble in the best possible way. Can yeah. I say you a comment on the goal kicking? Just throw it I, out there. I've just been. The lift and quality of the and accuracy, the shift from even from the beginning of this season, but certainly from last year. In some of these amazing goal kicking, um, there was the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn, Brooklyn. That's Brooklyn. a good Brooklyn. name. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. That's great. what we should call it. The Lachlan snaps. Um, Catherine Smith uh, oh, for the Demons, yeah. and that stonker <laughs> from Kearney. Like that yeah. was a big goal from Emma Kearney. So I just, I, I just think. You know, that's just from the one game. But we, uh, you know, the Aaron Phillips ones we've seen over and over. And I, I feel like uh, in Freo, I think it was Ashley Sharp's run on Sunday, could have given Alicia Newman a run for her money in goal of I the year. I can't even talk about Alicia yeah. Newman. She yeah. must be re-watching that run she did into the goal square. I, I mean, maybe she'll never watch it again, but I'm having some really bad flashbacks about that. Like, mm. I'm not okay with what happened there because it would have been such a moment. And I don't mean just for Melbourne. I mean for the whole yeah. competition. Yeah. Yeah. My concern is that absolutely I think that the standard this season has stepped it up a notch. I don't know that many people will have seen it because it's been hidden away yeah. on non-main channels. Can I say something controversial? Yes. Oh, 
a lot of people have been talking about perhaps, you know, playing AFLW in the middle of winter when it's, you know, ripe and rich for footy and everyone's enjoying it, maybe season nestled somewhere in the men's season. And that, of course, messes with the VFLW. It messes with a whole bunch of things. But what we've seen consistently with the AFLW is week after week after week, they're getting the scores on the board, they're getting uh, their strength. We're seeing them improve week after week after week. So why not put it at the end of their VFLW, their VFLW run? So um, put it at the end of the year towards the finals of the men's just because they get to play their VFLW or they get to play their sport, whatever sport that is, they get it and then they get uh, more legs, more sunshine happening towards the end of the year. I don't know. I just worry they might not have the energy yeah. by the end of it to have An the injuries. end of the season. Yeah. I mean, I guess the way we divide the years yeah, what does it matter anyway. anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. a good so point. I guess you just yeah. start the year and say it's the beginning of the but, year, September, but imagine, October. You know, 20 weeks of footy yeah. and then yeah. this bit or cut the VFLW season shorter. I don't know. It's it's all going to be – it all has to be thought about because yep. it's – you know, we're going to have two extra teams in next year. We, a final competition series? competition deserves mm-hmm. finals. And I, for one, am really disappointed that the AFL Grand Final is – this movable beast that oh can gosh. kind of just the AFLW grand final can, can I, just be put somewhere. Can I just ask you, mm. <clears throat> just clear your minds for a moment. Mm. Imagine that we're talking about AFLM. Mm. Imagine that we change the time by half an hour a week to go. Oh, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it. Like, I'm not that great at scheduling. I forget kids' birthday parties I have to drop them off at. I probably would have forgotten to turn up. I didn't know what time my wedding was. It, but I am I swear to God, I'm like, really? how long have we known yep. that yeah, there was going to be a grand, grand final, final on this day? Mm. Book out every venue that you think you may need yep. for every permutation combination because that's your actual mm. job, yep. right? Mm. The other thing I would really like to say is we have heard so much talk about how the AFLW cannot start until the end of the tennis Why? in Melbourne. Why? Is it because Serena's going to play AFLW? Because it needs clear air. So rather than so we get we play round one in clear air ostensibly. It but means play- <laughs> that the grand final is played in the middle of the AFLM round one blockbusters. Yep. There is a Grand Prix and I'm sure there's a million oh, other things. Where was, the, and where was the clear air for the AFLX? I mean, they, they, they literally plonked another exactly. competition right in, in the space. middle of it. And it I, just, I think it's ridiculous and you know how I feel about tennis. So, <laughs> but, but, no, but also, let's, let's just have a look at the game that they're accommodating. Brisbane Saints. This is not a grand final replay. You know, they're literally moving a grand final for the, the team that ended, I think, bottom. And then, you know, they, they're moving it for a game that does not have, you know, a huge amount resting on it. They've completely distorted their priorities. But isn't it in support of the fans who want to go to both games? Right. So they want to go to Brisbane so and then go move on. the AFLM game. Yeah. Do you know what it How says hard to is me? That? It just reinforces over and over again... We We're think second. you are so important. Mm. We're going to give you your own league, but you're not that important. Yeah, there's other the other gender is way more important than you. Yep. don't forget it. This is Plus, the real football. Where where are they? Like the parade must have had to move half hour. Has the parade? They have to move the parade. the parade. I I don't know what they're going to do about like meatloaf at halftime entertainment. Mm. Like mm. he's got to perform half an hour earlier. Um, the Batmobile's got to be refueled earlier. Yeah, the whole mm. thing's just gone out the window. Is there? Do we know about the entertainment for the AFLW? The entertainment is bring an iPad for halftime, Alicia. Mm-hmm. 
serious? Well, what's the they, entertainment? They, they didn't have it last what year. What entertainment will there be for the AFLW? Oh, that's it. I'm out here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I just do t- some notice- noticeables? Some notables. Sorry. Okay, um, some things that I saw on the weekend. I saw Sean Burgoyne with his own deck chair sitting um, on the fence at Olympic Park and – to be very clear, I had a, Alicia's lost her pen in having Don't a tantrum. Worry, That's hilarious. <laughs> I saw people with their own deck chairs at Olympic Park, and I was like, I did a little giggle under my breath, and I was like, Oh God, I love nice. hardcore fans. And it wasn't until I went back and was standing behind said deck chair, I realised it was the Burgoyne family, and I was like, <gasps> Oh my God, I love you <laughs> so much right now. And then when I was standing there behind Sean Burgoyne, who was quite pretty quiet during the game his wife Amy who is um Erin Phillips sister was so loud and so vocal that she is definitely one of us can we have her on the pod I know we We I know well we should have got her today because Felicity and um Kate aren't here but um so she's just like an awesome sister and she was screaming her guts out and in the middle of a whole lot of Collingwood fans and then I saw Ben Brown trying to creep so we saw Ben and Hester Ben is Ben Brown from North Melbourne and Hester and they are actually our interview for today but we saw Ben Brown who is an enormous man mm, I saw him trying to crawl through the crowd to get to the deck chair to say hi to Sean Burgoyne and it was the cutest thing <laughs> I've ever seen because he's enormous you can't he can't you can't hide you can't Ben Brown <laughs> you couldn't even hide him if he was wearing a hat like don't put Ben Brown in the corner. Huge. Yeah, exactly. So don't put Ben Brown in the corner. Um, let's talk quickly about rising stars. Yes. So the final rising star nominees for 2018. And, of course, you've got to be 21 years or younger on the 1st of Jan 2018. So we are talking about some people who were born just before the year 2000, which is a bit Stop scary. That. Chloe Malloy, Collingwood, Rebecca Beeson, Greater Western Sydney, Bonnie Toogood, Western Bulldogs, Libby Birch, Western Bulldogs, Sophie Conway, Brisbane Lions. I love she her. Is She's amazing. Great. Emily Maguire, Fremantle, Monique Conti, Western Bulldogs, Aisling Utri, Western Bulldogs, Eloise Jones, Adelaide, Brianne Moody, Carlton, Sarah Allen, Adelaide, Talia Randall, Brisbane Lions, Naomi Ferris, Western Bulldogs, and Hatchet Adelaide. Did you notice that there was a lot of Bulldogs in mm. there? There's one person missing from that list. Yes. Our own Nicole Hayes, who yep. this week was nominated for a New South Wales Premier's Yay. Award for her book. You and we are so proud of you, Nicole. Thank you. But you're not a, you're you're already a star. That's I, why I didn't mention her. She's not rising. I put her in she, rising stars because she's actually little, oh. like a young person. Oh. Yeah, we're so proud of you, Nick. Now, we already we don't have the lawyer in the house, but Katie um, Brennan's story is going to be attracting a lot more attention. We need to talk about it and we need to talk about it in a thoughtful way because there's so much discourse in what's happening. Who Mm. would like to go first in telling us if you were to approach the bench and say this is your argument for why she should or shouldn't, what would it be, Nicole Hayes? Well, well, should I just kind of just do the pricey of where we're up to just quickly, just that Katie Brennan, yeah, Katie Brennan has been now done for two matches. So she was offered an early plea um, for uh, what was classified as careless impact to the head with low impact by um, uh, Michael Christian's son. 
Mr. Mr. P, just say Mr. P. P. With Mr. P's um, process. And they contested that at the tribunal, um, the tribunal being Jason Johnson, Richard Loveridge, Sherelle McMahon. Uh, and they took about 22 minutes to decide that she's guilty, which meant that she risked, um, well, the outcome was that there was a two-match suspension. This obviously means that um, Katie's out of the grand final. The argument made was um, that in protest, so they went and appealed that on the grounds that there were two things, that she's a marquee player um, and therefore this is much worse for her apparently and secondly that uh, the Bulldogs had already suffered terribly in 2016 when they when they their captain Bob Murphy. I'm laughing not because it's That's Bob the Murphy. the worst argument ever. Stupidest argument ever um, because he missed, they didn't get to play their grand final with their captain that time. And it would be an horrible for that to happen a second time. Um, shockingly, that was thrown out that um, and – as a consequence, they're only, they've got four grounds of appeal if they want to go further. This would be on Thursday night. Um, there's an error of law, manifestly excessive sanction, manifestly excessive classification, um, which is probably not, well, given it's the lowest level classification, that's unlikely. I think the manif- manifestly excessive sanction is probably their best bet. But the other one is decision so unreasonable that no tribunal acting reasonably could have come to that decision having regard to the evidence before it. So I think the excessive sanctions probably the most likely outcome because if you look at the um, alternative for the exact same classification in the men's competition, the first offence is a $3,000 fine. The second offence is a $5,000 fine. This is Katie's second offence. Her first offence was a reprimand. The second offence is a one-match suspension If with that early plea. So basically, um, I think it was um, Barras Miller's at uh, Stephen, one of our Twitter said, you know, basically it works for the men. It's a small penalty upgraded to a small penalty. For the women's game, it's a small penalty penalty upgraded to a massive penalty um it just doesn't seem fair does it or equitable so we've got a situation where because women don't get paid very much to play this game they decided that it wasn't fair to hit them with a financial penalty so what they would do is do a reprimand and then the second reprimand would incur the weeks the week off Mm. so they've been punished by not having enough money but then the extra punishment is that you get this extra big penalty much worse and why haven't they scaled it so yep. okay the men pay x do. amount of thousand yeah. why not scale or why it? why would there not be a choice mm. and i think you know this is another situation where i think what's happened is that it, you know it hasn't been thought through yep. and so there's no situation where it's fair for katie to miss this game mm. on the on the back of what happened when you say it hasn't been th- thought through that reminds me that it hadn't been thought through that they needed to play the game half an hour earlier. Mm. So yeah. if those things can be reassessed in the moment because we know that they're cutting their teeth on making new rules as we go and we have been asked to bear with the AFL mm-hmm. while they change the rules and change the venues and send a memo and change the times, then perhaps this is a situation where they can say we're also learning how one man MRP is going to come down when that is a professional re-looking at a game when the game's actually officiated by trainee umpires. So what I see when I'm looking at the situation is that I think fair enough that she gets a reprimand for that. It did look slingy. Mm. It, it looked slingy in its action to me. 
Um, sure, that might be a reprimand. Um, but when you haven't thought through what the repercussions of that might be, let's just fall on our sword and say, okay, we didn't expect that to happen and we're, we are changing the rules on the fly because we've asked you to change the rules on the fly. Because when I look at it, I go, I've seen sling tackles like that a hundred times in this um, season and maybe they've got free kicks sometimes, maybe they haven't. Not many of them got a reprimand. Not many of them ended up at the tribunal. I see them in the VFLW every week. It would mm-hmm. go without, absolutely without notice. So when you're in the playing situation, the, the umpires haven't been officiating it in the way that the MRP is mm-hmm. looking at it. So you're basically out there yeah. in a non-professional environment mm-hmm. with your non-professional payments mm-hmm. getting professional judgment. judgment. Mm-hmm. And none of, this, none of this is to, to beat up on the umpires. I think, you know, that no. we've got a situation where the, the umpires who are officiating these games are learning as well and that's really important. And I think, you know, we will talk about all of the things that we think – you know, need to be taken into account for next year's season. But one of them, I think, is it would be really great to have experienced AFL umpires actually mentoring and, you know, maybe have one really experienced umpire on the field. But and, and I don't think any of us are saying that we don't want to see sling tackles ruled out of the game no. either because... It's important that we protect that they are. But I think, you know, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be fantastic if... Katie was given the choice of paying a financial fine rather than having a week off. There's no question there's been the disincentive. Like there there is clearly disincentive and it's just that the stakes are just so much higher in this situation than it would be if, as I think Bob Murphy said, if her name was Ben. Yeah, I think he said Ken, but yeah. Ken, But do you know what I'll say to that though is like, yeah, absolutely. Like that they haven't thought about you know, they're trying to protect the players with how much it would cost. She's just spent $10,000 appealing that. She doesn't get that money back. It's going to cost her another $10,000. She's potentially looking down the barrel or the Western Bulldogs looking down the barrel. I reckon it would be $30,000 for them to appeal this a second time. Um, That compared to what was a $3,000 fine. I'm sure Peter Gordon would have stumped for that. Mm. It's Um, so punitive. It's so... And it just it's it's such a blatant inequity you know mm. it's very rare that we have i mean we've got the obviously the pay parity thing or well there's we're nowhere near pay parity but the pay issue is a, one another example of that blatant disparity but in terms of you know the the um the tribunal and the penalties on the ground this is the probably the biggest difference that i've seen so far and that's that's not that's not how it's supposed to work i feel like in two years time maybe in one year time that the rules will have changed and we'll look back on this and we'll say Katie Brennan was the victim of being on the wrong side of history in teaching mm-hmm. this, in, in yeah. what has come to fruition. Right. You know, when I read Sam Lane's book, and I don't know if you guys have read it, but yeah. when she, when Katie Brennan's talking about the fact that she's been out, I mean, all of this under the cloud of the fact that she's missed most of the games because of a dislocation of her ankle, mm-hmm. which is just horrific, and she's got herself back and... Um, which, you know, that's by the by, that's, yeah. that is separate. But when she was saying in, the, in her chapter in Sam Lane's book, she says, you know, I was out all year with an injury. It was the hardest and the worst thing that could have possibly happened. And then 2008 just go, 18 goes, hold my beer. Mm. And can I just do a shout out to Beck Hayne for the hashtag free Katie Brennan? <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> On Saturday... Alicia, you wrote a beautiful poem and you farewelled the AFLW the way that it should be farewelled for season 2018. Is it okay if we replay your poem? Oh my goodness, go ahead. Well, this is called 
year 2018. 2018. Cast aside your second week memos and crappy nightlights. You can have all your ACL injuries back and any bump that split a nose. Let's focus on what you did give us. No double headers with AFLM. 41,975 at the round two Frio versus Pies, Perth Stadium. And now people call Chris Judd the male Cara Dinellon. <laughs> 2018, triple threat Brooke Lachlan booted seven goals, each one updating the next day's headlines and creating superfans who tweet us daily about her. Tegan Cunningham, 186 centimetres of goals and contested marks, the word masterstroke follows her around. Christina Bernardi, high flyer, superb slick skills in the wet, getting a clean ball out at the exact moment it's needed. Sabrina, Frederick, Traub, Nicole. The women who hugs everyone off field and completely crushes them on. Erin Phillips with a lingering injury that can beat you in a muddy arm wrestle 2018 and kick you halfway into next year. Scintillating Elise O'Day, just one look and 2018 is weak in the calf muscles. Bonnie Too Good, born with a name for that, for a good reason. A commentator's dream and an opponent's nightmare. <laughs> Amanda Ferrugio, fridges swing openly in the breeze on the sides of hills for her. Forget Westing, Powerhouse is the new brand name. <laughs> Ebony Marinoff just laughs off six stitches and looks you straight in the face. If one Hosking twin isn't enough, 2018 threw another one in just to get even the, to even the coolness up. And if you want to win at consistency, Dana Hooker is your player. 2018, you've simultaneously broken hearts and answered some well-worn prayers. If anyone, it's anyone's game from the top half of the ladder. Half of the AFLW is counting on you. 2018, you go do your thing. May the best team win. May the best players rise to the top and give us the best in 2019. We just want some more radio coverage and TV coverage and badges we can wear on our imaginary summer duffel coats. <laughs> go 2018. <laughs> On International Women's Day this year, North Melbourne launched a Gender Equality Action Plan and two people who helped to both formulate that plan and to launch it were Ben and Hester Brown. We were delighted to sit down and have a chat with them. Thank you for joining us, Ben and Hester. So last week, North Melbourne launched their Gender Equality Action Plan, um, becoming the first football club to do that and to have something like that. Both of you played a big part in its creation. Why is it important? Do you want to kick off? Uh, sure, yeah. So North Melbourne um, first sporting club to launch a gender equality action plan and it's really exciting and we were really excited to be a part of the process. Um, we have a pretty good relationship with a lot of the people in at the club, you know, spend a lot of time here. So they knew that it was something that we were passionate about and asked us to be involved. So on the... Um, the larger working group, um, North Melbourne tried to get people from every part of the business. So it's it's very um, 
I guess, relevant across all parts of the workplace. It's in many ways quite an interesting workplace. I mean, if you think about what sort of businesses have their um, employers' partners come along most weeks, mm. I don't think there'd be that many. So it's an interesting structure. Um, so we had people from media, people from the board, people from the footy department, you know, a player, a partner, um, sponsorship, everything, membership. And um, the idea was to work together on what's important to North Melbourne in terms of making sure that the business is inclusive um, for this particular plan, particularly in regards to women. So we know that um, sporting and football clubs have had um, historically a bit of a that sort of boys club culture um, and sort of knocking that back and making sure that this is not only a nice and inclusive place for women to work that actually really empower them and support them into leadership positions, but also that the club is a leader in the community for the advancement of women and gender diverse community. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's so important that we um, have this com conversation about inclusion, um, particularly from a a gender standpoint, I think it's one that uh, it's a fight that women often have to pick up. But I think it's really important that um, basically what on on the face of it and what people see is that it's a bunch of forty five men running around that we actually want to pick up that as well and mm -hmm. um, have our own voice heard. And so I think that was why I uh, one reason why I put my hand up for it. And um, you know, I, I think it's so important, particularly, you know, we've got our AFLW team coming in next year. That's really exciting. I think we all want to make sure that as a football club, we're, we're saying that we are one club and that we, we want to do this together and that we realise that there are areas of um, the football club and our society that need improvement and that, you know, we need to pick, pick up that and um, to work hard to improve those areas, not just to... I think that was an important point from the other day was that it's not just about laying down our action plan, it's actually about following through with it. I was going to ask about that because people are often quite cynical about words and plans and what would you say to, to those people? I think uh, it's, so I'll go you quickly, go. Um, it's, uh, it's, I think it's really important that um, you know, we actually have our voices heard on this issue because, uh, I mean, you can go one way or the other on this. You can say, oh, footballs are there to play football. They're, you know, we're robots that come out at the weekend and then, you know, you wheel us back and put us under Etihad Stadium until next Saturday night, or actually allowed to have our opinions. And I think I'd, I'd much rather actually express myself and express my individuality and so, this is something that I really care about and that the club really cares about and recognises that this is important. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's how you that's how you affect change mm. is that you start these conversations and of course there are going to be people who don't agree and that's that's fine as well the deal with the plan is it is a plan it's not um like a mission statement so we haven't sort of said oh you know north melbourne just wants to be the the club of choice for women for inclusivity um what we're, at, we're actually done is we've got key indicators we've got plans we've got goals that we're leading to so it's not oh okay like we said some nice things in front of a crowd, done, inclusive club. It's, you know, we have these targets for how we're hiring. We're going to make these changes to all of our publications. We're going to make sure that our women's team, women's team is treated in this way. 
we're going to have this many members on the board that are female. We want this target in our workplace for female representation. And we want that to be across cultures and, um, and other divides as well. So it's not just words, it has a plan. And I think that's so important because I, would, I think we would hate to be involved with something that was all talk and no action because mm -hmm. that's almost even worse. And there's no point patting yourself on the back for something that does nothing. And I think that's important as well. Like the launch wasn't about going, oh, well done. Like we thought about something different. That's great. The launch is about hear us say this, look at the plan so that in five years time when we revisit it, we can say we followed through on these things because we really care and with the introduction of the aflw club i think something that we've talked about a lot even just at home and in the car is that we're so passionate about the fact that nothing should be no nothing should be changing you know um if you think about locker room banter or anything like that because women are coming in and might be hearing it things should be changing because it's right mm. nothing should be said oh, well, we can't say this anymore, women are around. It should be, if this is an inappropriate thing to say, it never gets said because we care about this issue. And, you know, um, Ben and I have been really lucky to get a lot of help on this topic. We've had lots of people come in and talk to the um, strategy group, but we've also met with Rosie Batty a couple of times to talk about um, domestic violence and issues of domestic violence and what is really clear and what has been really clear through um, information from our partner, Our Watch, is that um, these sorts of negative um, behaviours towards women do have an effect on um, violence in our communities and that's very serious. How prepared are North Melbourne for having women come into the club next year? And I imagine it will be towards the end of this year. Um, yeah, it will be. It's about six months away, yeah. I think. Um, well, for starters, we've we've been approved for a, an extension to our um, to our facilities, which will be. I mean, that's a good start from a physical, you know, just the physical nature of the the place that we work in. Um, you know, to make sure that we've got change rooms that are up to scratch and that mm -hmm. the the women have got their own um, their own space. I think it'd be important that you know they're not coming in and. Um, you know, feeling like feel, that's a big part of feeling like you're actually a part of the club is mm. that you've got your own space and your own, you know, your own locker and that kind yeah. of thing to to deal with. It's not like you're kind of off to the side. Um, so that's a that's a good start. But I think what just to pick up on what you were saying before, Hess, I think the the action plan isn't necessarily about the media that we're going to get from it or getting the message out about. Um, gender equality like sure it's about that but it's this is this is mainly about looking internally and looking at what what can our club actually do to improve it's not about the, I mean respectfully it's not about the fans it's not about the people outside of the club that we want to be saying oh yeah we're doing a great job we're doing a great thing and it is about looking looking inside first in what are the what are the behaviors that we can improve what are um, you know the situations that our that our women are coming up against in in our own organisation that you know that are holding them back or that we can improve mm. on? So uh, and we've got we've got work to do in that space. There's no there's no doubt about that. I think it it will be for some a bit of a shock to the system having having you know um, what is it thirty women twenty eight thirty women coming in. Um, that are actually playing mm. for our club. Um, 
but it's something that I'm really passionate about making sure that we're as well prepared as possible. So I think, you know, we're, we're putting work into that right from right from today, and I'm I'm personally going to work really hard to make sure that that that's a, a smooth transition. Where does that come from? Oh, I think meeting Hester was definitely one of the first <laughs> things that um, introduced me to that because Hester's always been such a um, so strong in that in that area and the advocacy area of her life, and I think in many ways that inspired me to actually take up that as well. Um, and I suppose being able to have an influence within the organisation that I was in, um, I think it probably opened my eyes to things which I hadn't even considered before mm-hmm. you know you, you say that I grew up in a house of men and I pretty much did men and boys um, you know but I think and, and I also grew up in a in a Catholic household um, so my mum was always massive on treating others as you'd like to be treated which is mm-hmm. the you know one of the basic tenets of um, Catholicism and Christianity so I suppose I, I was brought up with that mm-hmm. as one of the core parts of my being and wanting to help other people as well as I could. Um, so I suppose, and meeting Hester and hearing her stories and the stories of others in terms of gender equality, um, I suppose sparked me to get more involved in it. And it's not only, not only gender equality, but I think just in general, trying to be as, trying to be as kind as we can to our fellow to our fellow humans Mm -hmm. so that was that was where I feel like it's come from yeah I think um on that you have such beautiful parents and they really raised you to be a listener so I think it was something perhaps that you didn't know a lot about when you met me but you were so willing to listen like I remember um I remember trying to tell you about this sort of stuff really early on when we met and we had this discussion um this big discussion in my bedroom about what ex- what experiences I had been through as a woman and I remember that you cried and you were so upset because you you didn't have to experience that and your brothers didn't have to experience that and you couldn't believe that that was how things were and I think you know that probably lit a fire in you and I think it resonates with you as well because um I think we know that that sort of patriarchal system doesn't really set men up well either. Mm. And like I said, you know, we had this discussion and you cried and that's a very taboo thing. Like, you know, I'm presuming that you don't mind me saying that because Mm. (laughs) we have to say that. Yeah, like you cry, I cry, men can cry and good because we know that bottling up emotions and holding them in, I mean, the suicide rate for men is absolutely, it's it's so upsetting and I think a lot of that is a result of... um, telling men that they can't exhibit feminine qualities or spot, spot on. share their I, feelings. I love that point. Um, gender equality is not just for women. No, it's yeah, actually for right. men. It's, it's actually for men as well. Yeah. Are you emotionally prepared for that moment when a whole team of women in North Melbourne uniforms run out onto the field? I, I am emotionally prepared for nothing, but AFLW makes me cry nearly every week. Like, I just think it's the most empowering and supportive and inspiring thing I've ever seen. And like Ben was saying, people come out and they say, like, oh, I'd never watch AFLW because blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't care because I love it. And I just think, like, I'm also so excited to see the development and, like, 
you know, it gives me tingles to think about women actually getting support through and young girls actually getting support, people wanting to develop them, putting time into their into their sports careers. Mm. That's amazing. Um, but I also think that the women that are out there now are just absolute trailblazers. You know, every woman who's out there, I wouldn't want to think about how many times somebody said, no, you can't to them. It would be just mm. off the scale. And they've all said, stuff you, I can do it and I'm going to do it anyway. And they are incredible athletes and yeah, just amazing trailblazers. Like it just inspires me and it just fills my heart with joy. You know, if I was 13 and I had happened to, you know, the other sperm won and I'd happened to be, you know, <laughs> born a girl, yeah. that I wouldn't be sitting here now. Neither of us would be. No. I'd, I'd be, you know, I would have played some other sport or I would not be playing sport at all. Mm. I've been given amazing opportunities in life and all because I was born a boy and not a girl. Ben and Hester were just absolutely delightful. I felt like they were lying in a field of daisies holding hands talking about love and equality. In the North Melbourne daisy patch. Exactly. <laughs> I know. They're so lovely. They're fantastic. So what comes with a grand final is also in the wake of a grand final is all of the awards seasons. And we know that some of the coaches awards have been handed out, but the MVP um, awards for the AFLPA, um, that will be handed out on Monday. And wow. the nominations, they have um, some great different awards that they hand out. Most Courageous, Best First Year Player, Best Captain, and the nominees for the and the, and the MVP. Um I went to the awards um, lunch last year for this and it was so lovely because it was really intimate and you see the players up close and the other one that really queried, I really queried was best captain. I'm like, oh, that's a really Did tricky one. How do, yeah, I don't that? know how yeah. you kind of – everyone would just vote for their own captain, right? Right. <laughs> anyway. Imagine. So the nominees for the MVP, they have three from every club. Do you want me to read them out? Yes, Is that, please. Yeah? Yeah. So um, for Adelaide, it's Sarah Allen, Ebb Marinoff and Chelsea Randall. For Brisbane, it's um, Alex Anderson, Kate Lutkins and Jamie Staunton. For Carlton, it's Danielle Hardiman, Katie Loins and Brianne Moody. I thought Katie Loins was amazing on the weekend, by the mm. way. Um, for Collingwood, it's Christina Bernardi, Steph Chiocci oh. and Chloe Malloy. That is a strong combo. For Fremantle, it's Ebony Antonio, Cara Donnellan and Dana Hooker. Hooker. For Western, uh, for GWS, it's Alicia Eva. Courtney Gum and Phoebe McWilliams. Yeah, that's a tough They one. have been so fun to watch those oh, yeah. that combo. For Melbourne, it's Aliso Day, Karen Paxman and Daisy Pierce. Trio. And for the Western Bulldogs, it's Ellie Blackburn, Emma Carney and Brooke Lachlan. I think that it's going to be tough for Emma Carney not to win it. I think mm. she's um, just had so many possessions and disposals. It's, you know, she's been in every game. They've played well. She stood up. Often you see that, you know, it's mm. the Dusty Martin factor. Um, but for most courageous, um, Chelsea Randall won it last year, I'm pretty sure. Um, I reckon she'll win it again this yeah. year. Yeah, it's hard to go past her, Although Ed Marinoff will give her a run for her money. She's not nominated for oh. it. Well, then that will help. <laughs> most that stitches, down. most stitches maybe. <laughs> yeah. But um, we'll stand by to see that. And then for the W Awards, which is the following day, I would imagine mm. that we'll probably see M. Carney again, do you think? 
Though I think Elise O'Day may be the runner up and I think that would be fantastic for Junior. That's her nickname in case you're playing along at home you don't know. Um I think Junior has had her season just completely playing out of her She's skin. been amazing. Yeah. But I will say this, I think Daisy Pierce is someone who takes the game on in a way that I've only ever seen Sam Mitchell really do. And I think that she's so good and that the bar is set so high for her that I think she gets judged more harshly yep. than other players. I think so. so if she was to win every award every year, there would still be a huge argument to say that she is the most outstanding player. I'm going to be controversial and say it should be named after her. I think it should be named oh, after her. That's a great her. idea. But yeah. I think they're, they're sitting on that. Like it hasn't yeah, been decided, right? Yeah, maybe when she's, yeah. It's not named after George W. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the grand final. Are we going to do tips for the grand final? It's hard when we don't know the teams yet though, right? Well, not no, the selection. Oh. oh, you're looking at me like that. No, I know which teams. <laughs> we know which teams are playing. No, the teams came out last night and they named oh, Katie Brennan. Yeah, they did. Okay. Yeah. But uh, but that's what I thought the big question would still be over. <laughs> Katie, well, no, I knew which teams are playing. I'm not that far No, behind. I just mean tip, that, tip which team you yep. think will win. Lucy? I'm going to tip the Bulldogs because I do think they've just been a standout all year and um, I had front row seats to their game last weekend and gee they're good Hmm. little lion over there I actually I am gonna go with the lions I feel like and this is this is just a thing that I've always had about grand finals is nobody wants to win a grand final more than the team that's lost one and I think that little edge might be the thing that gets them over especially if Katie doesn't play Hmm. yeah I'm gonna go lions as well I just reckon there's a whole big uh, Victorian component who are going to be behind them as well. Um, mm. But my love for Western Bulldogs is strong, but I'm going to go Lions. Yeah. I am going to say the tipping is for schmucks. No. <laughs> you had your I'll lips you, around I'll tell you who's not winning most courageous. <laughs> Me. You. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Um, but this week there will be some grand final celebrations that you can get involved in. That's right. I mean, the Lions are training, if you happen to be in Melbourne, this Friday at Brunswick Street Oval from 4pm and the Lions shop will be in attendance for merchandise needs, which is, you know, it's going to be a big thing because, as I said, there's a lot of Lions supporters down here. And um, just wanted to remind you too, the Bulldogs, by the way, haven't given their public training time out so maybe look at their website for more updates but AFLW members have priority access to the venue for the grand final 30 minutes prior to the general public from 11am to 11.30am it's not too late to get a membership for the Bulldogs or the Lions so you put your money where your mouth is they're pretty good prices you can just be an AFLW membership only uh, for both of them so uh, uh, do that and, and support them there is another Exciting. little competition that's happening. Oh, this I know. Well, something else happens. Is there what, some, a car so race? Crazy. Is that what it is? A car no, race? No, it's not that one. There's no. something else that happens this weekend. <laughs> Alicia, do you know what it is? <laughs> I think the AFLM kicks off. Oh, they're oh. Like the men, do men play? Yeah. <laughs> As my son said, are men allowed to play too? Can boys play? Oh, you've done a good uh, job. 
Yeah, Thursday night we've, we kick it all off at the MCG with Richmond and Carlton. And um, I just wanted to say a bit of uh, AFLM news that as this goes to press, uh, Gil McLaughlin is going to Tasmania to talk with Tasmanian Premier Will Hodgman and AFL Tasmanian Chief Executive Tricia Squires talking about the crisis of uh, sport uh, from Tasmania. AFLW in Tasmania. AFL. AFL. Mm-hmm. Oh, and AFLW. AFL. Mm. Uh, and talk about the expanse of projects such as AFL-X as well. He said, uh, Gil McLaughlin says, we've got a view about how we should be going forward over the coming weeks, but the reality is that we're committed to doing whatever it takes down there. So look out for that space. Just wanted to say that the Bulldogs Premiership Ruckman Jordan Roughhead has overcome a hip injury and will be available for the Western Bulldogs clash with GWS uh, in Canberra on Sunday. And um, just also new news for the St Kilda fans out there that their spiritual home of Moorabbin uh, is kind of almost done. They moved in on Monday. They still haven't got their weights yet, which is, you know, they've got to hold out for that. It's a third bigger than it was um, their previous location was. So this is really good to be going back there. So And also I think there's a lot of community space in that new development yeah, that's and right. that's so fantastic because it's really great for the area. Yeah. Isn't it's also it? going to be another venue for playing AFLW. Yep. Mm. So oh, that's, that's exciting. And a, and a higher one. But do you know what's been interesting is talking about the um, move back to Moorabbin and how lovely it is to go back and how important tradition and roots are. And it got me thinking that I'm heading along to AFLM on Thursday night. I've got three football games ahead of me in the next few days and um, just me and 95,000 of my closest friends will be sitting there listening as they play the club songs and I'm really hoping that Richmond <laughs> doesn't buck the trend and play their original song because we talked about this on the radio that the AFL have re-recorded all the club songs for most of the teams. Now, nobody, I don't think anybody asked them to. I know they did give the clubs the opportunity if they wanted to change some words that they could. And Richmond have re-recorded theirs where they changed the skin to shin. And I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like the idea of spending money on changing something like this when we don't have money to make sure that all the other stuff is just sorted, like lights. lights. Just for one thing off the top of our head, I don't like the polishing Mm. of tradition. And I think there's a really lovely part of this game where the mistakes that might be Mm. on a song are pretty precious. And it kind of breaks my heart. Is there any major changes though? And is there changes with different singers? singers Yeah, so and, 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 with the Richmond song, they have changed the word because when it was recorded originally, it sounds like they say skin and a lot of people mm. sing skin, mm. but the word that's written is shin. But I think that's a beautiful blip. Mm. I think that's mm. a really lovely part of the history. There's actually a few clubs, Collingwood, Essendon and Adelaide have come out and said, well, we're not going to use it, mm. which begs the question, why do you change something point? people yep. don't want it? Why do you spend all that money on it? Um, the Hawthorne one is very banjo heavy. And do not well, that's lose not it. A good Yay! Thing. I love banjo. Going I back to mind it. <laughs> I like it. I felt like Kermit the Frog was playing along. Ding, 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 but yeah. I do feel again it illustrates that tension between what the AFL think thinks we want, we want yeah. and what the fans want. But is it with the Western Bulldogs? This are they going to say sons and daughters of the West? Um, well, if that if they change that, I'd feel a bit better about it. That would be cool. 
But I, I just think it is that Children. idea of change for the sake of change. And Carlton yeah, still keeping their ends up? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. I mean, in the song they are. Yes, Maybe that's what I mean. <laughs> I'll see if they do on the ground. <laughs> yes. um, happy grand final. Happy round one, everybody. It is full of drama, this game that we love. We will be here again same time next week. Bye. Bye. Good See you. Go Lions.